Hello, my name's Pete. This is Social Distancer. Oh, yeah, just on the two-second mark. Now, welcome, everyone, including my new listeners in the Dominican Republic and Chile and the Maldives and uh, Nepal. I think maybe Nepal has returned to listen, the whole of Nepal. Um, now, going to begin today just by saying a quick word on Andrew Neil, who's left the BBC and he's been there for 25 years. In my uh, estimation, he's the best political interviewer uh, in, you know, in Britain, definitely. Um, the only person that comes close is Tim Russett. That my um, American listeners will know this guy, Tim Russett, who died a while ago now, about a decade ago. But he was fucking great. I really love Tim Russett a lot. Um, and Andrew Neil is that kind of like Russettish character. If you don't know Andrew Neil, a lot of people in Britain obviously do. And I've always been quite sentimental towards Andrew Neil, partly because he follows me on Twitter for fucking reasons. I have no idea why. I mean, I don't have many followers on Twitter at all, about 300 of them, and one of them is Andrew Neil, bizarrely. And also partly because uh, he looks a lot like my dad. And he sounds a lot like my mum. <laughs> well, my mum was Scottish, but a woman. And her voice was slightly kind of, you know, more lilting and lighter, lighter than Andrew's. But he really does look a lot like my... Anyone that knows my dad will know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, I mean, really, basically, they look, he looked exactly like my uh, my dad uh, well Andrew Neil they both look you see what I'm saying here they, they look similar um, so anyway he's left but this is an example of the uh, kind of uh, questions that he would have liked to have asked Boris Johnson if the old sausage wasn't such a fucking scaredy cat and refused to go on the Andrew Neil show which of course you know now it's become very commonplace that they've got this policy. Number 10 have had a policy for a long, long time now to not go on um, Good Morning Britain, to not go on Newsnight, to not go on Channel 4 News, um, you know, any uh, platform where they're going to be grilled, they try to avoid. For a long time, they avoided today the um, flagship uh, breakfast news, um, you know, program radio 4 um so you know but but it did make headlines when boris johnson refused to do this leader's interview which uh, became kind of andrew neil's you know stock in trade if you like or it's certainly like the thing that he became um most kind of recognized for and interviews that i don't know whether they shifted anyone's opinion but obviously number 10 was scared that they would pe- shift people's opinion, so they decided not to do it. So here's a little taster of the kind of thing that Andrew Neil would wanted to have said to Boris Johnson in December, um, you know, in the run-up to the election. There is, of course, still one to be done. Boris Johnson, the Prime Minister. We have been asking him for weeks now to give us a date, a time, a venue. As of now, none has been forthcoming. No broadcaster can compel a politician to be interviewed, but leaders' interviews have been a key part of the BBC's primetime election coverage for decades. We do them on your behalf to scrutinise and hold to account 
those who would govern us. That is democracy. We've always proceeded in good faith that the leaders would participate. And in every election, they have. All of them. Until this one. It is not too late. We have an interview prepared, oven ready, as Mr. Johnson likes to say. The theme running through our questions is trust, and why at so many times in his career, in politics and journalism, critics, and sometimes even those close to him, have deemed him to be untrustworthy. There is no law, no Supreme Court ruling, that can force Mr. Johnson to participate in a BBC leader's interview. But the Prime Minister of our nation will, at times, have to stand up to President Trump, President Putin, President Xi of China. So we're surely not expecting too much that he spent half an hour standing up to me. Yeah, there we go. Good point, Andrew. And what he's going on to is, um, well, slightly controversial. It's a what's been billed as a right-wing um, <laughs> news uh, platform. So not probably nothing like Fox, and you know probably Andrew Neil will obviously, you know, kind of keep up his uh, reputation as being an outstanding interviewer. Um, but you know who is he going to interview? There's, for instance, a, quite a kind of clamour in the press and in the um, you know broadcast media to interview people that are fucking dallying around this herd immunity bullshit um you know even now you know so it's not a good sign obviously but you can kind of imagine because we do live in a Tory country like I was saying a couple of days ago so you could imagine that a kind of right-leaning um broadcast news station will you know go great guns you know Brexit and all that you know English people being a bunch of fucking racists and all that yeah they'd love it so um, anyway, there we go. Andrew Neil, very good. Keep following me on Twitter, please, Andy. Ando, as I like to call him. Ando. And um, now, this morning I had this extraordinary moment, uh, a kind of series of nightmarish moments that I described immediately afterwards. Uh, of course, you know, the kind of bit of reportage for you. So this is my um, report from this morning. So I've just got off a bus that I take to work and it was unbelievable. For the third time I get on one of these poxy buses and the windows are closed. All three windows. It's just a little bus and all three windows there's a skylight as well, whatever they call it. A little sky hatch and it's all closed. So, uh, for the last two days, the first window in the bus, I try to open it, and it snaps back on you. You can't open the window. And I've been in contact with the bus company about this uh, via Twitter. And anyway, this morning, I said to the bus driver, you need to have your windows open. And he said, I opened the windows and the customers closed them. So then I addressed the people on the bus at 10 to 8 in the morning and I said to them, we need to open the windows, we're in the middle of a pandemic, so let's get those windows open and 
you know, bit of predictable moaning from these fucking idiots. But anyway, everyone opened the windows. And then we had three windows open. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this woman who actually gets on the same stop that I get on, who was sitting at the back of the bus, said, hold on a minute, yesterday, you closed the window when you got off the bus. And I said, no, I didn't. I tried to open a window when I got on the bus and it wouldn't open. And it snapped back. And then she sat down. But one of the women who was moaning, who was sitting next to a window, who I asked to open a window, said, hypocrite. And you think, fucking, like, just logically think about it. I, if I'm going to ask a bus full of people to open windows, I'm probably not going to close a window, you know? But of course, you, they don't think about it, these fucking pricks. So, what does that mean? Well, it means I need to find a way to remind them that I don't close windows, I open them. So what I said to them was, I don't close windows, I'm the window opener. And I sat back down <laughs> and some dude said, listen to your music. And someone else said something like, chill out. But apart from the predictable, you know, moaning fuckwittery of the wonderful British public, uh, you know, my actions, I hope, have probably dispelled a little bit of the old COVID cloud, which was getting nice and snugly in the middle of the bus there. So, you know, if it was up to me, I wouldn't be getting the bus and they can all just bloody sit on it and die. But unfortunately, I do have to get the bus. Thank you very much. I run to the shop. Bump into everyone. Say, have you heard? Have you heard the news? There is a podcast called Social Distancer. Share it, like it, astound your friends. Everything you want to hear about. With greatest public health emergency in any of our lives. Four times a week and it is free. Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays and an omnibus on Sundays. Fucking great and swearing. So a really weird beginning of the day and, um, you know, not great. But at least they did open the windows, you know, that's the main thing. Um, now, Donald Trump has opened his Trump mouth again. And uh, I've got to get it in the show because it's a moment of history. Who knows what's going to happen? Now, there's a couple of um, messages I've got, as the Scottish say, for their shopping. As the Scottish say, we call them messages. Um, right, here we go. Listeners in the United States. Uh, in lots of places, you can vote early. So vote now, if you, well, not now. But vote, 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 vote. 
And please don't vote for Trump. Please don't vote for Trump. Even if you're in one of the places where everybody loves Trump, please don't vote for him. Please. And also, um, what was the other thing? Oh, yeah, the Zoe app. So let's get the Zoe app on your phones. Thank you very much. Oh, by the way, while we're about it, while we're about it, the um, NHS Test and Trace app at last has been launched. And apparently it's been downloaded a million times. Now, you know, we've got to get it on our phones. I don't like the government. And you know, maybe you do, maybe you don't. I certainly don't trust this government. They had to change things. And they have changed it. So there is no centrally controlled data. Don't take my word for it if you're a bit kind of, you know, unsure about these things. Just look into it. But they did change it. They went with, um, you know, Apple and Google. And and now it's out. Okay. And the more people that use this, the uh, better a tool it um, would be. You know, any uh, scientists that we're following, uh, you know, all of them basically are saying, you know, set aside any cynicism or distrust uh, that you have about the government, because this really is a tool. It's probably, it's not like, you know, the kind of silver bullet by any means but the more people have it on their phones the more effective it's going to be but of course it's only going to be effective if people actually isolate and we found out this a couple of days ago that the figures on self-isolating are unbelievably low in the UK and certainly in England um, get this right you, you if you're contacted by well okay you know testing that's still an ongoing debacle. But if you get a test and you're contacted by um, Test and Trace, um, the people have kind of interviewed a whole bunch of uh, folks who have gone through the self-isolation thing or gone through the getting the test thing, yeah? And the results are in. And what they've found is that uh, across the board, about 70% of people intend to self-isolate they intend to do the right thing just basically kind of like you know lock up shop for 14 days not leave the house but in reality only 20 percent of people with symptoms do that and for various reasons it's not that they don't want to in fact they do want to 70 percent of that 20 percent of you know the overall number and 20 percent do it uh, do want to. You're always going to get 30% of fucking wankers. Like, there's, have you noticed that that's the Tories? Fucking 30% of Tories. There's, like I was saying a couple of days ago, there's always going to be 30% of Tories. Like, no matter what, no matter what, no matter who the leader is, no matter what they do, no matter whether they want to break international law or fucking whatever, you know, whatever. So uh, it's funny, a bit of a coincidence, isn't it? This 30% thing. I bet they're all the fucking Tories uh, wanting to, you know, shoot pigeons in the face. Rather than you can't do that if you're at home, can you? Um, so anyway, uh, 70% want to do it. Only 20% actually can. Why is that? Well, obviously, as we discussed loads of times, people can't because they literally have to leave to, you know, go to work whether they got symptoms or not, coronavirus or not, you've got to put food on the table. But also other things as well come into this, like 
So the question is, did you leave home? 20% didn't leave home. So some people are saying, well, I did leave home, but I went shopping. So, you know, you can, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're spreading the virus like wide, widely. If they're being very careful, and 70% of these guys are kind of intending to stay at home. But of course, there's loads of reasons why it's very difficult. There's no system in place, basically, to kind of look after people at all. You know, um, find, test, trace, isolate and support is the uh, independence ages kind of idea of what test and trace could have been. You know, there is no support, you know. And so, obviously, you've got to go shopping if you can't get your groceries online or whatever. So it's not necessarily that that 20% is like spreading it like widely just because they're going out shopping for like, you know, twice or whatever within that within that kind of two week period. Having said that, it obviously doesn't look good. And this doesn't look even gooder. (laughs) Uh, 11% of the people, those guys with symptoms, then tell the test and trace people to contact like, you know, have you been around Johnny's house recently? I fucking was around Johnny's house. Jesus Christ. Here's Johnny's number. Phone up Johnny. Johnny, although you're looking good and you're feeling fine, you've got to stay in. Sorry, Johnny, but you've got to stay in for two weeks. Two weeks! <laughs> um, and only 11% of these people, that, and the majority of them will, won't have any symptoms, you know. Well, maybe not the majority, but like quite a few of them are not going to have any symptoms. It's just, uh, well, obviously we know that it's just like a precautionary thing that anybody that has had, you know, kind of exposure to somebody with symptoms has to self-isolate as well for two weeks. And only 11% of those guys um, have to, uh, uh, do, sorry. And apparently 70% of those guys say, well, like we intended to, but, you know, for one reason or another, like we have to work, like we have to go shopping, like basic things that you could just fix all that by giving a bit of money saying, right, here we go, stay in. £500, okay, fine, but there's so many hoops that you need to jump through. Independent Sage were talking about this today, including you need to have a positive test. I mean, how the fuck can you have a positive test in a, in a land where you can only get a, a test if you've got symptoms? Like, it's just ridiculous. It doesn't make sense in the most logical, like, you know, it, it falls apart, the logic, in seconds. Like, so many of these... Uh, proposals by the government to get on top of this thing, you know, like the rule of six outside, like it's just fucking stupid. So as an example, um, somebody's got symptoms, they say, yeah, yeah, I'm doing the right thing, I'm going to stay in, and here's all the people I have been in contact with, including Johnny. Johnny gets a phone call, Johnny's finding uh, feeling fine. Always oh, a bit like a Bruce Springsteen song, isn't it? Johnny gets a phone call, Johnny's feeling fine, and Johnny says... Uh, yeah, okay, that's fine, but I need to, you know, kind of do stuff. Like, I feel fine, but I need to work, and blah, 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 blah. But I try to stay in for 14 days. Now, at that point, the person would say, oh, well, it's fine. We're going to give you, we're going to send food around your house, and we're going to give you some money as a little incentive to stay in, because, of course, you will 
maybe losing money if you phone up your boss and say sorry I'm not going to be in for the next two weeks just like that you know so there we go and do you need anything else uh no I'm okay actually thanks a lot thank you for helping and thank you it's a good example of being in a responsible country that actually wants to get on top of this shit thanks very much Johnny but that's not happening you know so no wonder only 11% of those guys are you know doing it and they're not going to get the hundred, the five hundred pounds. None of those guys are going to get five hundred pounds that are asymptomatic or not showing symptoms, because they can't get a test without uh, symptoms. You know, unbelievable. So anyway, um, here's Trump. <laughs> Win, lose, or draw in this election. Will you commit here today for a peaceful transferal of power after the election? And there has been rioting in Louisville. There's been rioting in many cities across this country, red and your so-called red and blue states. Will you commit to making sure that there is a peaceful transferal of power after the election? Well, we're going to have to see what happens. You know that I've been complaining very strongly about the ballots and the ballots are a disaster. I and, understand that, but people are rioting. Do you commit to making sure that there's a no, peaceful transfer of power? We want to have get rid of the ballots, and you'll have a very trans. We'll have a very peaceful. There won't be a transfer, frankly. There'll be a continuation. Uh, the ballots are out of control. You know it. And you know who knows it better than anybody else? The Democrats know it better than anybody else. Go ahead. So there we go. That's extraordinary stuff, isn't it? Hearing the President of the United States saying, we'll see what happens. Will you commit to a peaceful transfer of power? We'll see what happens. So, you know, vote early if you're in the States. And what we want, and it's quite interesting, I mean, some of the, uh, you know, states that we thought were off the board in terms of, you know, getting the Democrats getting it, might be on the board early days. And, you know, there's a good chunk of them that probably will go to Trump, like Ohio, for instance. You know, I really can't see that go to Biden. Um, Georgia, that's probably not going to go to Biden. Texas, I would fucking love it. But I don't think that's going to go to Biden. Um, having said that, you know, Florida could. Um, Nevada probably will. Um, Pennsylvania probably will. Um, you know, uh, Michigan probably will. Wisconsin's looking very good for Biden at the moment. So, you know, pretty good. But if, of course, it's great that, you know, Texas, Ohio, uh, on the board because it means that it's draining energy and uh, time. Nevada, fucking that Trump was in Nevada, you know, and it's draining all of that away from the things that they need. You know, I mean, they need Trump needs uh, Florida. Basically, if he loses Florida, there's a very good chance that he's lost the whole thing because if he win, if Biden wins Florida. There's lots and lots of places that he would have won before winning Florida, if that makes sense. Um, so it probably doesn't make sense. No, does it? So we got the first debate a couple of days, which should be brilliant. I can't wait for that. Looking forward to that. I love that. I mean, I really, really love that. But it's fucking in the middle of the night, man. And I'm working the next day. I'm going to be a, dr- a grumpy fucker on the bus. <laughs> Those windows better be open. 
Well, they are going to get the fucking shock of their life. Me turning up with like two hours sleep. Anyway, um, right, let's call it a night. Think of a diamond. Think of the best diamond in, in the best crown you've ever seen. And think maybe it should return to the place where we stole it. Huh? That's something to think about, isn't it? Yeah. But anyway, um, listen, take care of yourselves. Thank you so much for listening. And next show is on Sunday. And it does include the, ten- the trend report. It's basically, I call it an omnibus. don't know why. I don't know why I call it. Well, I've kind of started it now, so I can't really get out of it. But, well, I mean, I could. <laughs> anyway, um... I call it an omnibus, but there's no real kind of sense of anything apart from me just doing another show, you know. But I say omnibus a couple of times. But the trend report is when I do on on Sundays, okay? And we know the trend is fucking terrifying. Like, you know, we are so lucky to be living in Devon. But even now I'm getting a bit um, twitchy at work, you know. I sent an email to my uh, boss a few days ago saying that we can't just going on the because um, I've got this thing whereby if it gets to 10 per 100,000 confirmed cases then you know I've got to get out of there basically because I've got to get out before the bloody virus gets in that's the difficult thing about it um, so you know but, but of course if the cases aren't happening sorry, the tests aren't happening, then the cases is not a true reflection of it. We know that there's basically 10,000 infections a day, maybe just a little bit over 10,000 a day, because of course it's growing, because the R uh, value is above one. So it is growing, like all the time, you know. And and it's picking up, um, well, 6,000 plus 6,600, yesterday 6,800 I think and something today so you know it's picking up uh, roughly two-thirds of the actual cases out there you know which is pretty good you know but the um, you know it's not good enough because there's loads and loads of problems with the testing and there's lots of uh, you know do you go do you bother going for a test if you have have got to go to Cardiff for instance and you're living in Devon. Like, do you just bother? Uh, there's loads of things that come in to, like, you know, people's time, how people feel, whether they feel like it's worth it. And we also know that we're behind the curve on this because it takes ages for the test to come back. You know, there's such a small percentage of the test coming back uh, within 24 hours. And uh, meanwhile, in schools, Keir Starmer said that one in eight school children have been, uh, you know, sent home, told to self-isolate. One in eight. I mean, that's extraordinary. Hundreds of thousands of school children are sitting at home. Most of the vast majority of them, I imagine, have just got the flu. But they don't know. Nobody knows what to look out for. They don't know that you have to look out for fatigue. They don't know there's a big proportion of kids that are going to be asymptomatic. And they don't know that if you've got flu symptoms, it's probably the flu, you know? So it's like unbelievable, this fucking government. Uh, Universities, listen, if you've got a, you know, daughter or son or niece or nephew, or if you yourself are in the terrible position of being essentially kind of locked up in your 
uh, dorms at uni and like thinking what the hell is going on I'm really I'm so sorry for you to be you know put in that position your friends and your families to be put in that position it's an unbelievable nightmare totally avoidable totally predicted like independent stage predicted this yeah they said universities don't go to university just do online learning and now we've got the ridiculous thing of literally thousands tens of thousands of university students they have to wear a mask if they go into their shared kitchen or into their shared toilet they've got to stay in their room they can't go to their friends rooms and covid is fucking just exploding in universities in exeter in devon there's a massive jump in cases all of a sudden 15 cases in one day and it's because of the university students you know and it is not the university students fault at all they've been told to fucking eat out to help out they've been told to go to the pub they've been told to go to the universities you know it is the fault of the government and it is fault of the universities who couldn't fucking see this coming i mean what the fuck you know what i mean it's unbelievable i mentioned this a couple of weeks ago it's so fucking obvious that it's going to explode you know and now these poor fuckers they can't go home they can't even go home for christmas for fuck's sake they're gonna stay in their room like fucking unbelievable so my heart goes out to you it's such a rough ride such a rough ride and now they're doing all the bloody lectures online now but they're stuck in the, the you know the tutors and the lecturers are just down the hall in the empty classrooms doing the lessons and everyone's in their dorms looking at the fucking lessons on their screens unbelievable a total catastrophe fuck, as somebody would say now anyway look at a picture of a dolphin <laughs> um yeah but seriously it's fucking rough man and the other thing about it as well is like this this whole thing of this whole line of oh you know there's fucking students couldn't they fucking see it coming why are they going to like you know why are they having parties and all that like spare a thought for what they've been through in the last six months yeah just spare a fucking thought half of these guys if not all of them have been through the a-level fucking farce a couple of weeks ago okay they've been asked to go to the pub by the government they've been asked to go to the restaurant by the government half of them have also probably been working during this time trying to save up a bit of money for university so you know just fucking bear that in mind and also by saying it's all the students fault the conscientious students that are worried about getting covid-19 they're the people that hear this is your fault the guys that are like just going you know fucking pub crawl you know running up to people they don't know and not social distancing and all the rest of it you know that are probably getting the fucking thing and spreading the fucking thing they don't give a fuck like you know you could say to them it's your fault they wouldn't give a fuck you know the only people you're kind of you know getting under the skin of are the people that are conscientious that give a shit you know and i would say it is not their fault it is they are going through a rough seriously rough time so you know my heart goes out to you and um yeah i just you know hopefully hopefully well, I don't know what will hopefully test and trace comes to the rescue but you know <laughs> one last thing before we go into the you know think of a fig 
One last thing, or two last things. Um, it's Robert Redfield, who runs the um, Center for Disease Centers for Disease Control in the States, he said two things um, a couple of days ago. Number one, he said uh, 33 million Americans have had COVID-19, a tenth of the population of 330 million. And that means that we are a tenth of the way through this. So if you think about it, and you, there's no reason to think, well, we know that there's about 8%, according to Wheaton and Balance last week, 8% have got it here. So, oh, that was on Monday, wasn't it? It feels like a long time ago, that. So 8% have had it in um, England, in the UK. Maybe I've, I think it is the UK rather than England. Obviously, we know that it's been higher in, you know, kind of cities, you know, London, 17%, that kind of thing. But across the country, 8%. So we're 8% of the way through, basically, you know. And what does that mean? Well, the good news is, so what it means is that we've got to be circumspect as fuck for the next couple of, well, months, uh, certainly the next six months. We're not going to get a vaccine in the next six months. That's not going to happen. It might be starting to happen in what realistically what March maybe February March maybe um, but according to Robert Redfield not Robert Redford uh, he says that by July this will be history the coronavirus will enter the history books in the United States at least he thinks that by July everybody is going to be vaccinated in the States. So there'll be a vaccination, there'll be a vaccination program. It will take a good few months to get it to everyone. But by July, this is history. So episode 200, or will we make episode 300? I can't do the maths. It's probably quite easy to do it, but I can't do it. But maybe we will, maybe we won't. Maybe I'll be dead by fucking Christmas anyway. But um, anyway... So there we go. Think of a fig. <laughs> think of a frog. Think of what should we think of today? Think of a ladybird and the kind of symmetry of the ladybird. Is that a, are all lady? I don't think they are, are they? I think it's to do with the particular, you know, type of ladybird. But some of them have got the symmetrical thing going on. Think of a lovely ladybird. Huh? Yeah. One two, three, walk between the raindrops. Thanks for listening. Take care.